Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the United States of America. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. The president and Kevin McCarthy are apparently talking about the debt ceiling. Uh, So I got to... Well, 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 hang on a second. Hang on. The, I got to, where, where is it? Did they delete it? I had it. Nope, nope, nope. I got it. Okay. Sorry. I had a piece up and then it disappeared. I am used to the Washington press corps taking the side of the Democrats on everything. But uh, Jonathan Lemire, Jonathan Lemire at Politico has taken it to the next level with a story in Politico today about Joe Biden. Let me read you his tweet. The United States stands on the precipice of financial calamity, testing whether President Biden's theory of governance can continue to work. He has prioritized deal-making throughout the debt ceiling talks. But with GOP obstinate, he is changing tactics. Now, very interesting uh, spin from him that Biden has prioritized deal-making, except uh, here's the headline from Vox News on May 2nd. Why Joe Biden won't negotiate on the debt ceiling. Here's the headline from April 27th, The Washington Post. White House reiterates refusal to negotiate on debt limit. Here's the headline from May 2nd, Reuters. Biden will talk budget but won't negotiate debt ceiling. Here's the headline May 2nd from Barron's and uh, AFP News. White House will not negotiate on the debt ceiling. So you got Politico today claiming, oh, Joe Biden is willing to negotiate on the debt ceiling. But uh, AFP, Barron's, Reuters, The Washington Post, Vox News... All said he won't. It's all propaganda spin to benefit the Democrats at a time the White House overplayed its hand. In fact, they miscalculated the entire time. The president, you will remember, did not believe that Kevin McCarthy could get his team to move forward anything. And now, as it stands, the only group of people who have voted to raise the debt ceiling are the Republicans. The Democrats have chosen not to come up with anything. The process has taken the White House by surprise. People familiar with President Biden's thinking concede in this political piece. One of them was how quickly the crisis approached. The other surprise was Kevin McCarthy's strength. It took 15 votes for him to become speaker. The White House believed he would not be strong enough to hold his conference together, but McCarthy managed to pass the GOP bill. And Mitch McConnell has his back. Those positions were unexpected by this White House. So while claiming Joe Biden has always wanted to negotiate, They claim he miscalculated every step of the way. But then it goes beyond that. Ezra Klein is a liberal 
who writes in the New York Times, used to be one of the Vox kids. And he has a piece out objecting to President Biden taking the 14th Amendment option. This is Ezra Klein writing in the New York Times, if testing the question wouldn't cost anything, there would be no harm in trying. But I don't think it will have no cost. The strength of Biden's administration's political position is that it stands for normalcy. The debt ceiling has always been raised before. It must be raised now. But if the administration declares the debt ceiling unconstitutional only to have the Supreme Court declare the maneuver unconstitutional, then Biden owns the market chaos that would follow. Who will voters blame in this scenario? Republicans who say they just wanted to negotiate over the budget as is tradition or Biden who did something no other president had done and failed. What's notable about Ezra Klein's position and what's notable about Larry Tribe, for example, who used to write that the 14th Amendment option is unconstitutional now says, well, upon reconsideration, I think it is, how often these left-wing thinkers refused to get away from the herd. They don't want to be canceled by their own side. Here's a little more of the Ezra Klein piece the options for President Biden. In one, President Biden simply declares the debt ceiling unconstitutional, pointing to the 14th Amendment, which holds that the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned. Five Senate Democrats, including Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, are circulating a letter calling on Biden to do just that. On Friday, 66 progressive congressional Democrats sent the president their own letter, making a similar case. In the other, the Treasury Department uses a loophole in a 1997 law to mint a platinum coin of any value it chooses, a trillion dollars, say, and uses the new money to keep paying the government's debts. But then he writes this. In remarks after a meeting with Kevin McCarthy, Biden said he was considering the argument that the debt ceiling is unconstitutional. The problem, he continues, is that it would have to be litigated. And that's the problem with all these ideas. The legality of the debt ceiling or a trillion-dollar platinum coin doesn't depend on how liberals read the Constitution or the Coinage Act. It depends on how John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, and Neil Gorsuch do. Actually, Elena Kagan as well. I have a hard time believing Elena Kagan, given her jurisprudence, would say, oh, yeah, surprise, the 14th Amendment turns out it actually got rid of the power of the purse. What's remarkable is that people like Ezra Klein, who are one of those people who wanted Mike Pence to just do the right thing and stand by the Constitution, cannot themselves do the right thing and stand by the Constitution. They want everyone else to stand by the Constitution. They never want to do so themselves because it's all about power and their fear of the left. Lawrence Tribe in 2011 explained why the 14th Amendment as a way to get around the debt ceiling increase was unconstitutional and now claims he's changed his mind because that's where the left-wing herd went. It's all about power and their fear of the left. It's not about the Constitution. They don't care about the Constitution. It's unconstitutional. It's objectively unconstitutional. To claim that it is constitutional, you have to argue that in 1865, Congress intended to give the President of the United States the power of the purse, to surrender their preeminent power in the Constitution, and that no one until now has realized they did it. But they can't do that. They can't bring themselves to do that. They wanted Mike Pence 
to honor the Constitution. They themselves don't care about the Constitution. They care about the politics, the political ramifications of it. Here's what's going to happen if we default. The interest rate that the United States pays on its debt will rise. It will rise because our credit rating will go down. So the interest rate that we pay will go up. And it will go up for generations, not just temporarily. Once it goes up, it takes a very long time to come back down, which means more and more of our money goes to service the debt, which means less and less of our money goes to pay for defense or anything else. On top of that, all the money until the debt ceiling is raised that goes into the federal government has to be used to pay the debt service before anything else. So if there's only money to pay the debt service, then the Congress can't pay Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the military, anything. And the Democrats will prioritize things that hurt while they blame the Republicans. They'll sacrifice the military and the seniors first because they think that will be the thing that hurts Republicans the most. So our interest rate will go up. The stock market will fall too. and they'll have a real hard time making ends meet for the federal government. It'll have real-world ramifications. I kind of wish the Democrats would do the 14th Amendment option. I really do wish they would. Now, it would get stopped by a court, but the moment they did it, it would have a cascading effect in the markets. The markets would collapse. You're talking 1,000-point drop in the Dow if they went with 14th Amendment option. And Democrats, you know, I mean, 160 years ago, Democrats were issuing Confederate bonds. These bonds they issued would basically be the same thing. I mean, uh, history repeating itself for the Democrats. Why? Because these bonds are supposed to be backed by the full faith and credit of the Constitution of the United States. And if you issue a bond while playing the 14th Amendment option, Congress hasn't raised the debt ceiling. The Supreme Court declares them null and void. Suddenly, the president has issued a bunch of bonds that have no value. The bond market would react viscerally to this president issuing bonds that have no value. It would have a cascading effect. It would wipe out inflation. It might give us a depression. We would definitely deflate. So they don't want to do it. And yet the Democrats are clamoring for it, not because they're serious about it, not because they actually think it will work, but because they're trying to use it as a negotiating position against the Republicans. The problem is Republicans aren't falling for it. Here's Christopher Van Hollen, United States Senator. As Congressman Arrington brought up, Janet Yellen actually said, told George Stephanopoulos that it could cause a constitutional crisis. So why even consider that? Well, the difference is that option would be better than a default. The United States has never defaulted in its history. It would create a a catastrophe in the economy. Uh, So the 14th Amendment is not the preferred alternative. A lot of people predict that even if you go the route of the 14th Amendment, you go into a recession. But if you default, we're talking about depression. We're talking about 18 million people out of work. We're talking about interest rates going up. We're talking about everything getting much more expensive for the American people. That is what Speaker McCarthy and the MAGA Republicans and Donald Trump are threatening if they don't get their way. Uh, All they want is negotiations. They want government to cut spending. They've already raised the debt ceiling. Here's one more from CNN. 
You know, uh, the, the Constitution, as we know, uh, it says the 14th Amendment granted citizenship to formerly enslaved people. But there is this Section 4 of the 14th Amendment that I guess is very important now. It says the validity of the public debt authorized by, by law shall not be questioned. Uh, some legal scholars say that could apply to the debt limit. Um, what's your view on this? Should the president go down this road sooner rather than later? In part because, as he was saying a few moments ago, there would be a legal process that might play out. I'm sure there'd be a legal process that would play out, but I always go with Lawrence Tribe. Uh, if he, he's my expert, I think he's considered one of the finest attorneys and legal minds in this country on constitutional issues and others. And he believes it's a valid uh, clause that needs to be uh, foremost in, in the president's mind and that you don't have to make a deal and the, and the whole debt ceiling is, is irrelevant. The Constitution says you have to honor the debt. So I think it's an ace in the hole for the president. I think he'd like to negotiate. And he'd like to be able to show he can work together with the Republicans. It's going to be difficult. McCarthy's got to work with uh, George Santos and who knows who he is or what he thinks. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, they're about as closely tied to reality as Santos is. So he's got a whole bunch of those people to deal with and they can result in the end of his speakership. So it's going to be difficult for President Biden to negotiate with somebody who has those type of uh, uh, legislative terrorists on their team. Uh, and the 14th Amendment is an ace in the hole. Uh, yeah, they really, the 14th Amendment is an ace in the hole. It will get them nothing. It would crater the economy. It would collapse the bond market. It would crash the stock market. I kind of wish they'd do it. It would wipe out the Democrats' ability to win generationally in the suburbs for, I mean, a generation. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty, building and loan wherever you are nationwide. If your business needs access to capital, $250,000 or more, First Liberty might be able to help you. If your lenders have been giving you a hard time, they've been giving you the runaround with the economic situation, First Liberty's been doing this since the mid-90s, helping small businesses become big businesses. So if you're buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, buying out a business partner or a competitor, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com, nationwide, firstlibertyga.com. Spend 10 minutes with them, see if you're a good fit for them, see if they are a good fit for you. Tell them I sent you. I got to play this clip. This is notable. It's from Chuck Todd on NBC's Meet the Press. Since since Comey, the FBI has been under attack. Um, and the Durham report in many ways confirms what the uh, DOJ IG report. It's almost identical. It's really. almost identical. Yeah. Um, and, and in some ways backed off some of the rhetoric that they had going into it. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the FBI's been in a compromised position, um, and part of that has to do with the, the nature of our politics today. The FBI yeah. has become a politicized institution and a political target, um, and this is going to make it much more difficult yeah. for Merrick Garland as he goes forward with these uh, right. investigations, um, and I don't see any way out of that. And Todd went on and said they need a new church commission to reform the FBI. Here's a little more. The reason, Chuck, is that the FBI, uh, you know, the opponents of the FBI, the conspiracy theorists, the people who right. want to diminish our institutions, they just need, you know, 10% of the truth, 15% of the truth yeah. to make a living and to bring down the institution. So the FBI has to raise its standards because they yeah. can't even give these people an inch. With an inch, they can bring down these institutions. And I'll be honest, Christopher Ray hides. 
He hides. He does only goes before Congress, and he doesn't defend the institution. There's a lot of consternation within the FBI about that, about the way, the way he postures publicly. There's a couple of places where this is really going to come to a head this year, and that is the two special counsel investigations, the Hunter Biden investigation, yep. and the reauthorization of Section 702 of the FISA warrant. Yeah. And that is something that's going to be a huge fight. The White House has been worried about it already for yep. months. It's going to get worse, and all of this is going to be on display at that time at the, by the end of the year. Yes. Notice they're, they're trying to defend the institution, but they can't bring themselves to not criticize it. They, they, it. There are all sorts of problems with the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And the Durham report, like the Internal Inspector General's report, made clear at the upper echelons of the FBI, management is out to lunch and too bothered with politics and not with actually carrying out the mission of the FBI. And more and more people are willing to come forward and start criticizing the FBI, which is a good thing. It needs the criticism. Now, Joe Biden also needs real criticism. He's just out to lunch. Did y'all hear this clip the other day? Here's the other thing. I'm sure, I'm not sure, my guess is I'll get a question about, you know, well, wait a minute, you know, the American people aren't satisfied. Well, guess what? As I told y'all before, most of this, what we've passed, doesn't kick in. It only kicks in over time. He gave some really muddled, confused answers uh, in Japan. Uh, some some real just leave you, you scratching your head remarks. And new polling is out. There's Harvard-Harris poll. There's the Washington Post-ABC poll. There's the Associated Press poll. All three of them, the trend lines are what matters here. Not the numbers. Numbers aren't right, but the trend lines are notable. They're all headed in the same direction. More and more Americans think he is too old to continue being president of the United States. A growing concern from Americans about the age of the president and of Donald Trump, too, that perhaps we need younger leadership. Oh, we got to dive into those polls when we come back. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome across America. The phone number 877-973-7425. It is Eric Erickson, and I have got to play you this clip of the president from Hiroshima, Japan. And there's a lot of other, for example, the idea that we're, uh, in terms of uh, taxes, that they refuse to, for example, we, uh, I was able to balance the budget and pass everything from the the global warming bill. Anyway, I was able to cut by $1.7 billion in the first two years the deficit that we uh, were were accumulating. And uh, because I was able to say to it that the 55 corporations in America that made $400 billion or $40 billion, $400 billion, that uh, they, uh, they pay zero in tax. Zero. Okay. I feel like I should fire up the Billy Madison or yeah, the, the Billy Madison clip after listening to something like that. Um, it, it's just, um, my goodness. We are all dumber for having listened to that statement. May God have mercy on our souls. Uh, this is irrelevant though. It is relevant. So there's a Harvard-Harris poll out. I'm dismissing the Harvard-Harris poll. 
It's an online poll. It's It's got an okay reputation, but here's why I'm dismissing it. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who is coming to my conference, and I don't mean this disparagingly towards him. Uh, I, I think if he's honest, he would agree, but uh, the Harvard-Harris poll has a very high name ID for Vivek Ramaswamy. That tells me immediately that the poll is not really a poll of Americans, but a poll of highly plugged-in people who care about politics, and that's not most Americans. So I'm largely dismissing the Harvard-Harris poll as being too online. But there is a Washington Post-ABC poll that has come out. And this one is giving the Trump campaign a little bit of encouragement because it shows that Trump does better against Biden right now than DeSantis does. But it also should give pause to both Trump and Biden in that most Americans, not a plurality of Americans, but most Americans think both Biden and Trump are too old to be president. There is a recurring theme and it shows up in the NBC Wall Street Journal poll. It shows up in the ABC Washington Post poll. It shows up in the AP poll, in the CNN poll. It shows up in the Fox News poll. Now, a lot of you are listening saying you don't care about the polls. And to a degree, you shouldn't care about the polls, but the polls are still useful to some degree. If you took out the Republican partisan polls by Trafalgar and the like from 2022, actually the polls captured what was happening. We were all, myself included, dismissive of this shift towards the Democrats in the, in the public polling. But actually, you take out the Trafalgar poll and the Rasmussen poll and some of the other Republican polls in there that clearly were designed to skew the polling averages. And it actually, yes, turns out that the public opinion polling out there from the mainstream media saw the shift towards the Democrats that we all dismissed as partisanship but turned out to be right. But more than that, what all of the polls, including the partisan Republican polls, taught us in 2022 is that while the bottom line number may be wrong, the trend lines tend to be accurate. And even those polls like the Trafalgar poll and the Rasmussen poll and others showed trending towards the Democrats. And that trend turned out to be true. The trend lines still matter in the polls. They may not be able to tell us how many people believe X, Y, and Z, but they can tell us where people's thinking is heading. So it is very notable in the AP NORC poll, in the Washington Post ABC poll, in the NBC Washington Journal poll or Wall Street Journal poll, in the Fox News Opinion Dynamics poll or whatever it is now, in the YouGov poll, in the New York Times Siena poll, in the CNN poll, you name the poll, Americans, a majority of Americans, are concerned about Joe Biden's age. So when Joe Biden comes out and he releases a statement and it's cut taxes, Trump MAGA, 
Americans are a little bit concerned. They don't understand what the hell a man is talking about. He seems a little bit off his rocker. He seems a little off his game. Not a little bit. Actually seems a lot off his game. The AP poll shows Joe Biden gets bad numbers on the economy, immigration, guns. People are disappointed that he hasn't done more on guns. Some people are disappointed he's done too much on guns. Uh, Democrats in particular are really concerned about gun control. People are really, really concerned about the economy across the board. One guy says he's an independent who typically votes Republican, but he voted Biden in 2020 and says he's been frustrated by the rise of illegal crossings at the southern border. That's one. John Billman, 79, of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, says Biden doesn't get credit for passage of the CHIP bill. He approves of Biden's performance, but also is concerned about the economy. Karen DeAndrea, 64, a Democrat from Port Lucie, Florida, was among millions who lost their jobs at the beginning of the pandemic. She's concerned about the economy. And then you got Michael Shearer writing at the Washington Post about their poll. Nearly all the 15 gathered swing state voters in a focus group, not a poll, but a focus group, described feeling negative emotions when they saw President Biden on a television or computer screen. Every single one of them said they wish Biden and Donald Trump were not running for re-election. Several offered dire assessments of Biden's mental and physical capacities, calling him too old or speculating on dementia. But as the focus group moderator steered the conversation to the possibility of a Biden rematch with Trump, the mood shifted among those voters who had all cast a ballot for Trump in 2016 and then Biden in 2020. So these were 15 swing voters from swing states. All of them voted for Donald Trump in 2016. All of them voted for Biden in 2020. Nine of the 15 said they'd vote for Biden again. Three said they'd vote for Trump. Three said they'd vote for a third party or not at all. Even a 32-year-old recruiting manager from Phoenix who had described the panic she felt watching Joe Biden came back into the fold when it was Trump versus Biden. But the reality is, of those 15 people in that room, none of them wanted Biden versus Trump. They wanted someone else. And this is reflective in the Washington Post-ABC poll. Americans don't want Biden or Trump. They want fresh faces. And they're not going to get them at least from the Democrats. They, the Republicans might give them a fresh face. If so, advantage to the Republicans. But the Democrats are stuck with Joe Biden. And the polling should be a big red flag for the Democrats right now. So here's this is, this is an inevitable reality, and both parties go through it. This isn't unique to the Democrats right now. Both parties go through this. You are stuck with your standard bearer. In 1980, with gas lines, a crumbling economy, a hostage crisis, a president who had been attacked by a killer bunny, the Democrats flirted with Ted Kennedy. And Ted Kennedy gave Jimmy Carter a run for his money. 
Jimmy Carter won in 1976, having come through Watergate and pardoned Richard Nixon, the unelected but incumbent president, Gerald Ford, got a challenge from Ronald Reagan. But Gerald Ford still won the nomination, lost to Carter. Carter then lost uh, to Reagan with the with the Ted Kennedy challenge. In 1968, the writing was on the wall, and Lyndon Johnson decided not to run again. And the Democrats went down in flames to Richard Nixon. Johnson, one of the very few who decided to step aside and let somebody else have it, and that guy still lost. You're kind of stuck with your leader. Republicans and Democrats alike, stuck with their leader. You can give it a good go for the money. The problem is challenging it. Republicans have an opportunity now to change the leadership of their party because there's no incumbency there. The rules still favor for the Republican nomination. Donald Trump wrote the rule book, and, and those rules favored a Donald Trump candidacy, winner-take-all races and things like that. The Democrats, though, are kind of stuck with uh, – Joe Biden, in a way, Republicans are not necessarily stuck with Donald Trump because Joe Biden is the incumbent president of the United States. All the fundraising goes to Joe Biden. All of the money goes to Joe Biden. No one can really challenge Joe Biden. Robert Kennedy's going to try, but Kennedy's not going to beat Joe Biden. I know some of you think Kennedy can beat Joe Biden, but you're not voting in the Democratic primary, are you? No, you're not. And so the Democrats go into a general election with a man, a majority, not a plurality, but a majority of Americans, over 50% of Americans say is too old to run. A plurality of Americans, that is not a majority, but the largest group of people in the poll question his mental fitness. A majority of Americans dislike his economy. They dislike his immigration policies. They dislike his foreign policy. They prefer him to Trump, but they don't like him. They're just ready for something new. If the Republicans can give the voters something new, that's going to help the GOP. That'll help the GOP in swing states like Wisconsin and Georgia. It'll help the Republicans in places like Pennsylvania where they may not win, but give the Democrats a run for their money. It'll help the Republicans in a place like Michigan and Arizona and Nevada. States that must be won. The Democrats are stuck with Joe Biden. The GOP is not stuck with Donald Trump. But the Democrats, they go into this. They go into this with the wind in their face pushing against them, and we haven't fully gotten into a recession yet, and the data suggests a recession really is coming. The data suggests markets are already beginning to feel the effects of an economic slowdown. The data suggests the economy is going to turn. So you've already got all of this negativity towards Joe Biden. You've already got all of this negativity towards the Democratic Party, and people have not yet even begun to feel the effects of the recession and its coming. If the GOP offers a fresh face against Joe Biden, well, good luck, Democrats. Now, 
I got to tell you, with all this economic malaise coming, with the potential for a disruptive economy, you should check out Advantage Gold. If you have any interest using precious metals like gold and silver inside your IRA or your 401k, your general investment strategy to protect your retirement accounts or your general portfolio, reach out to Advantage Gold, 800-450-2566. Their trust links, number one, highest rated gold company, seven years in a row. They got the best prices and staff. They've got a great IRA department. They can give you a free gold IRA investment kit that tells you what you need to know to comply with IRS rules about using precious metals in your retirement portfolio. Call them 800-450-2566 today. They have great answers. Their gimmick is that they don't have gimmicks. They just play it straight. They give you straight answers to your questions about using precious metals. 800-450-2566 is their number. 800-450-2566. Call Advantage Gold. Get the free gold IRA investment kit. Talk to them about using precious metals. You can buy those metals from them. They're not giving you certificates of ownership. They're giving you the real thing, actual gold, actual silver. You can arrange it all with them for your IRA, your 401k, or your general portfolio, 800-450-2566. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. So I, I, my wife and I, this is this is my personal moment of the day with you guys. My wife and I have not taken a vacation by ourselves without the children in a decade. Uh, last time we did it, I had to speak at the Oxford Union. Uh, in the UK, and that would have been 2013. We left the kids with their grandparents, but otherwise, she's kind of doesn't like to do babysitter stuff, and she hadn't wanted to leave the kids alone. And finally, she's like, you know what? This summer, you and I should go away for a weekend without the kids. And she wanted to go to Asheville, North Carolina, and we were all set to go until a buddy of mine just happened to mention in passing the homeless situation in Asheville has kind of gotten out of, out of hand. And then somebody else mentioned how many homeless people there are, and I started looking. And Asheville, North Carolina, apparently has the highest per capita population of homeless people in the southeast United States, and crime is up 40% in the city. And there are lots of shops and stuff where my wife wanted to go, and she's like, I don't know that I want to go anymore. So now I'm trying to find this. I guess we'll go up to Lake Burton or something. Um, and, and, like, this will be the first time we've taken, like, a date weekend without kids. I can't believe we're actually going to do it. Uh, but before we do that, next week, I'm not going to be here. It's Memorial Day week. Memorial Day begins the week. My birthday ends the week, June 3rd. And we are going to Arizona to see the Grand Canyon. Uh, we went out to Sedona, Arizona. It's been a number of years. And we went to see the Grand Canyon. And there were all those wildfires that year, and you couldn't see the canyon. I mean, you could kind of make out big hole in the ground, but you really couldn't visualize the Grand Canyon. There was so much smoke. So we decided we're going to go again this year. The weather is going to be even better this year. Uh, we're staying at this little place called Little Burge in Sedona, which we love uh, the last time we went. So my wife doesn't like fancy places. Some of y'all can appreciate this. My wife does not like to go to a fancy place because she doesn't know whether to tip or not. And she feels very awkward having to shove people money every time they give stuff. And this place has a no-tipping policy, and she loves it. It's very, very nice, and you better not hand anybody. They will turn you down flat cold. Um, and she just kind of loves the no pressure there. So fancy place. My wife would rather stay in a tent in the woods than stay at a Ritz-Carlton. My kid and I, on the other hand, were like, eh, Ritz-Carlton's got a pool and room service. But she'd much rather stay in those. She really wants one of those, uh, what do you call it, R-Pod. It's like a little camper you pull around. But we're going to go. I'm excited. 
uh, to Arizona, and then a date weekend with my wife. I can find somewhere in the mountains to take us, but definitely not Asheville now.